Hello, Ghastly Ghouls. I'm your host, Lee. And I'm Devin. And welcome to Ghastly. Oh, we've got a good episode for you this time. We I'll do. We always have a good episode, but this one, I just have a good feeling just based off the name. It's just giving you good vibes yeah, already. Bad yeah. vibes in bad a good vibes. way. All right, Devin, what is new with you? What is new with me? Well, I just spent like $200 on Amazon. I feel like that's everyone's typical Sunday nowadays. Yeah, yeah. and I've got the Sunday scaries, so... Uh, we had some pickle juice shots or something, <laughs> and now I have a screwdriver here, and I'm ready to dive in. That's right. You did some retail therapy on Amazon, yeah. and you're feeling good, mm-hmm. ready for the work What's week. What's new with you? What's new with me is exactly what you just said, those pickle shots. I am obsessed with pickles. They are God's gift to the earth. Pickles are incredible. They're my love language. If nice. you just bought me pickles forever for the rest of my life every day, I would be so ecstatic. But we decided to mix up our vodka with pickle juice. Like we literally just poured the <laughs> vodka straight into the pickle jar and uh, and drank out of it. And yeah, we did. Honestly, it was pretty good. I was expecting it to be kind of gross. I mean, I gagged at first, but <laughs> it was pretty good. It was like gagging into the sink, but then we realized, wait, this kind of masks the vodka flavor, and I think that more pickle shots are in our future, for sure. Yeah. All right, so speaking of pickle juice, we're talking about murder today. Okay. That does go hand in hand. (laughs) Yeah, hand in hand. Today's episode is a really unfortunate case of a traumatic childhood that causes traumatic ripple effects into adulthood and into the lives of many others. It involves bronies. Yeah. 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 Like bro and ponies, bronies. And it involves murder. If you like My Little Pony and you're a boy, you're probably going to get offended by this episode. If you're a brony, just... Because I'm coming out swinging. Just don't uh, turn (laughs) into this person that we're talking about today. Do your thing if you're a brony, but just don't kill people. So I think it's best to start the story from the beginning to really understand the backstory of the horror that ends up taking place. A boy named Brandon Scott Hole is born on August 20th, 2001 and grows up in Indianapolis, Indiana. He is subjected to trauma at the age of four where he hears an explosive argument between his mom and dad where his dad says, if you take our son, I'm going to kill myself. And his mother follows by saying, okay, go ahead. Sheesh. Yeah, not good to encourage that. calling his bluff like that. His father sadly was not bluffing and is found dead by hanging soon after this, which absolutely scars their son Brandon for life. Yeah. Brandon also expresses suicidal ideations throughout his life after this incident, consistently saying, I'll just do what my dad did. As he grows older, he exhibits strange behaviors that are indicative of mental illness. Some would be small things like rocking back and forth instead of being able to just sit still and do normal activities like watch TV or whatever. He was always rocking, always having to move his body around, could never sit still. As I'm literally rocking. Right you now. are rocking. <laughs> we did just have pickle shots, so Uh-oh. you're you're energized. 
He insists on wearing three pairs of pants at once, things like that as a child, and doing certain tasks that are really routine to the point where he'd have to start the routine over again if he was interrupted. So super obsessed with his routines and doing everything in a perfect order. And so this resulted in an obsessive compulsive disorder diagnosis and Brandon's mother tried her best to get him therapy for this. As he gets older, he's becoming also a pathological liar with some violent actions, specifically toward furniture or walls, as he's still a little bit young at this point. When Brandon is 11, he and his stepdad Keith are in a water fight, and Brandon is playfully sprayed with a hose by Keith. This absolutely perturbs Brandon. He angrily runs inside, locks himself in his bathroom, and he just starts destroying and breaking things all throughout the bathroom. He's like on a rampage in there. Jeez, over getting sprayed with a hose. Just getting sprayed with a hose. Yep. Yeah, and they were having a water fight specifically, so it's not something you would think would trigger him when he yeah. knew that that's what that activity entails. A water fight includes water, but yeah, he's sure breaking, yeah, ba- breaking apart the bathroom. His mother gets into the bathroom. I think she picks the lock because he locked the door and then he starts attacking his mother so he's biting her he's punching her slapping her and then he runs out of the bathroom to grab a knife to stab his mother with wow way to escalate just from getting sprayed with some water and the stabbing attempts were unsuccessful thankfully and then police arrive before his mother could be seriously hurt by his rage Of course, at this point, his behavioral issues are severe and he gets a few months of probation for hurting his mom. This is when he was 11. With each year- Wow, already on probation. I didn't didn't realize that he was 11. And after he gets probation at 11, with each year, his behavior worsens. He quits school in sixth grade, which isolates him from any social interaction with friends. And he ends up staying home all day, every day, sleeping, falling into deep depressions, spending tons of time online. He has a computer in his room and developing two obsessions. Here it comes. The first is with My Little Pony, as we hinted towards. Specifically, the main character, the main pony, Applejack. Applejack's the main pony? Is Applejack the main pony? I mean, I would know I don't watch it. Yeah. The, Even with two daughters. Your I've girls watch My Little Pony? pony. <laughs> or they did. I feel like they're growing out of it. They've watched it. I'm assuming it's the main character, but that's that may not be a like correct Twilight assumption. Twilight Sparkle or something. Oh, yes. I remember Twilight Sparkle. I think that's right. But that's besides the point. He loves Applejack. And so Brandon has numerous My Little Pony posters that are blaringly displayed across the walls of his bedroom. In addition to lots of stuffed animals and stickers and stuff like that across his bedroom too. And then the second obsession that he develops as he grows older, reflected by his search history, was mass shootings. Damn, that's a wild combo. It is a wild combo. This was discovered by a behavioral assessment performed by a children's association, which included investigating his internet search history. And Brandon, like the pathological liar that he is, plays this off as... A fascination with true crime, kind of like me or anyone listening to this podcast saying that he empathizes with the victims of mass shootings and empathizes with their families and feels bad for the trauma that they've endured. But on the contrary, Brandon is also sending memes about mass shootings to his friends in a crude way that completely contradicts his claims of feeling empathetic towards the victims. That's pretty like well thought out to have an excuse like that. I don't know what age he is at this point, but... 
when people are questioning his search history and he just goes with that comeback. It's pretty insightful. Like he knows mm-hmm. what he's doing is wrong and knows how to right. cover it up. Exactly. And this is, it's not specified exactly how old he is because like the things that I just listed are kind of covering the years between like 11 and 18. Right. So it's like his early teens, I would say, growing through the high school age. So when he is 18 years old in 2020, somehow Brandon convinces his mother, even though he's had all of these behavioral issues, he convinces her to drive him to a gun store. Come and on, he mom. he buys a gun, but the store is out of ammo, so he didn't buy any bullets. He just has the guns. But soon after this, like hours after this, like the same day, same night, his mom becomes terrified that Brandon plans to take his own life with the gun because he starts making comments about committing suicide or suicide by cop, which is, you know, where a person aims their gun at police with the intention of getting police to shoot and kill them because police think they're going to be shot at. Mm -hmm. So Brandon's mom goes to the police and files a report, like right after Brandon buys the gun, telling the police about his comments regarding suicide by cop. And his mom wants them to come to the whole family home and confiscate his weapon that he just bought. She just drove him down to buy it. Yeah. What do you mean confiscate Yeah, yeah. So with that, my thought process on this, which is a total guess, is that maybe she was scared that Brandon would hurt or stab her if she didn't oblige his request to go to the gun store in the first place. Because obviously he has a history of like, you know, getting a knife and trying to stab her. So she drove him to the gun store with the intention of reporting it afterwards, like just to keep herself safe in the moment when he was asking to go to the gun store. Mm -hmm. That's just a guess. So police do come. They put him in handcuffs and they take his weapon under what's called Indiana's red flag law. While he's in handcuffs, he's stressing hard. He's sweating. He's anxious. And he's making comments about how he doesn't want anyone to search his computer. So what do police... <laughs> so what do they do? <laughs> yeah, what do they do? They go straight, okay. beeline it to his computer, and this reveals more mass shooting searches and participation in extremist white supremacist websites. And side note, Brandon is a white male. He is taken to a hospital for psychological assessment at this point, but within like two and a half hours, three hours, the physician says they couldn't find any diagnosis for Brandon. He's fine and he's allowed back home. So that just means he's aware of what he's doing. He's not actually crazy. He's yeah. Just like, Brandon well, is able. Quote unquote crazy. Yes. You know, in an assessment, he's unstable. able. Yeah. He's able to like he's, talk his way out of it. Yes. Though. He's big brain about it. Police also file Brandon at this point as a dangerous person, which legally disallows Brandon from buying guns in the future. Well, at least you can't get it legally now. There are plenty of other ways to get a gun nowadays. Keep in mind, he has a sixth grade education. He never got his GED. He dropped out of school in sixth grade. A contributor to his intermittent depression is the fact that he is getting older, the years are going by, and he feels like his life isn't on track. Soon after the gun confiscation incident with the police due to the report his mom filed, Brandon gets a visit from an FBI agent. The agent is inquiring about different things, but one thing in particular stresses Brandon out. And that question is, what are you doing with your life? Brandon's 18 at this time, and he throws out the genuine idea or plan that he would like to pursue a career in the FBI. This agent breaks the seemingly obvious news that the FBI would not be a viable career option for Brandon because of his violent background. 
he is on a list of people that are not legally allowed to own a gun, so obviously he cannot be in the FBI. And this plants another seed of hatred and disdain in Brandon's heart that grows into something malicious over the next year or so of his life. Later in 2020, once Brandon turns 19, he gets a job at a FedEx ground facility in Indianapolis, which is FedEx's ground package delivery company. He only works here from August to October of 2020, two short months before he falls into a depression where he cannot bring himself to get out of bed. He is fired from FedEx because he continuously isn't showing up for work, and then he moves back into his mother's home in March of 2021. He had been living on his own for a little bit. Man, this is pretty recent, huh? Yeah, this is a recent case. And if he's going to be living with her again, his mom wants another psychological assessment performed on him because of all the things that they had gone through in the past. So he gets the assessment, and it's reported several different things. First, Brandon has very poor anger control, as we know. Second, he has chronic suicidal ideation, major depressive disorder, and generalized anxiety disorder. As Brandon attends therapy to appease his mother, he reveals to his therapist that he feels complete apathy toward others and does not care about the lives of other people, even his family members, even his own mother. He seriously admits that he thinks other people should fear him and that he is a danger to society. Wow. As you can see, at this point, he's not even trying to deceive people or act sane, and his mental illness is escalating. You know, he yeah. just doesn't even care if he comes across as dangerous or whatever. Yeah, that's that's exactly well put. It's escalating. And in the background, he is also purchasing some concerning items. He is ordering gun oil, grips and slings for different guns, and actual guns. Police don't reveal exactly who was selling him these guns, Although, he was added to that dangerous persons list. And these aren't just guns, these are two assault rifles. They're not, yeah, yeah, not handguns. On the night of April 15th, 2021, Brandon's mom brings dinner home for them both. They eat. Brandon is noted to be in a good mood. He takes a bath to relax after dinner. And then he and his mom both head to bed. But he has absolutely no intentions of going to sleep tonight. Brandon puts on a My Little Pony t-shirt. Gosh leaves his home and travels to the 300,000 square foot Indianapolis FedEx facility that he was fired from about six months prior. He arrives in his white sedan a little bit before 11 p.m. while a shift change is occurring. There are over 100 employees on site. The facility has a pretty extensive security. It has a security guard, won't allow anybody access without an employee badge, has metal detectors, security turnstiles, all that good stuff. And because Brandon no longer works there, he tries to enter the building, but security doesn't let him in. So Brandon heads back to his vehicle in the parking lot, dejected. But from here, he picks up an assault rifle and he just starts shooting at FedEx employees in the parking lot. Wow. Can you imagine? It's a random Monday night. April 15th was a Monday night. You're leaving your usual shift at 11 p.m. You've just worked all day. You're exhausted. You're ready to get home, go to bed. And you are shot in a parking lot by some weirdo wearing a My Little Pony shirt with an AR-15. Yeah, you can't make this stuff up. He's able to make it inside the FedEx facility through security with his assault rifle at this point, shooting at everybody that he comes in contact with inside the building. As people try to run and hide, he is just ruthlessly massacring them one by one. 
Immediately, numerous employees start calling 911 at the same time and police dispatches right away. So there are multiple 911 dispatchers just talking to like eight people at once, all reporting the same thing. So they know this is a crazy it's thing big happening. Time, yeah. Brandon is shooting so often that some employees on the phone think that there are even multiple shooters. Like they're saying that maybe uh, several people are in the building just gunning people down. Innocent people are barricading themselves into rooms, hiding behind equipment, shoving furniture up against the doors. They're hiding under trailers and they're just trying to save their colleagues that have been shot, trying to just help them out in any way that they possibly can before police arrive. Some areas of the building are actually no phone zones. So some of the employees are hearing all of these shootings, but they don't even have their phones. Like they're not able to call police. So they just have to hide and hope that help is coming, having no idea what's actually going on. Yeah, side note, no phone zones, really? Come on now, it's ridiculous. What if your mom passes away in a car wreck while you're at work and then nobody can call you for 10 hours? Like, yeah, I don't know, I just, just don't get it. It's all based on efficiency and warehouses, and that should change. Yeah, and Moving on. <laughs> I think that it does change after, after this case happens. Okay. Each second stretches into what feels like hours for the innocent employees as they just wait for police to arrive. And the less than five minute shooting spree feels like an eternity to them. After Brandon has wreaked havoc on people inside the building, he exits FedEx, returns to his car, and ends his own life with the same rifle that he used to massacre others in his car. God forbid you kill yourself, but you want to take other people with you. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's really sad. And you could almost see this coming. Like there was clearly oh, yeah. trauma from the beginning. And it's just sad that it led to this point that no efforts to intervene were successful beforehand. Mm -hmm. Like it's just really sad. Not only that he ended his life and wasn't able to get the help that he needed, but it ended up impacting a ton of people, and then traumatizing anyone else who wasn't actually killed. Yeah, it's a big cycle. Big cycle. By the time that police arrive, they don't know that Brandon has committed suicide, and they still believe he may be lurking somewhere. Sheltering employees' hearts stop as they hear approaching footsteps. They don't know whether they belong to the killer or the police. Because they don't have their phone. They don't have their phone. <laughs> exactly. And one by one, over 100 police officers arrive on scene. Police dispatchers keep track of where each of the callers is hiding in the building, so the dispatchers can send police to rescue each of the people who called. Slowly, the FedEx employees are taken to the hospital, pronounced dead on the scene, or are escorted out of the building safely. Brandon may be dead and the killing spree may be over, but what he left behind was a devastating scene of death, loss, fear, and trauma. A total of eight victims died in this mass shooting whose ages ranged from 19 to 74 years old. Gosh. That's old. A 74-year-old working in a warehouse? That's tough, man. I know. It is sad. And imagine you're obviously working hard in your life. And so after all of that time, you working hard to make a good life for yourself and you die from a brony, angry, with an AR-15. AR yeah. It's a really just sad death. So I want to list the victims here. The first is Matthew R. Alexander, 32 years old. Samaria Blackwell, 19. Amarji Johel, 66. Jaswinda Kaur, 64 years old. Amarji Scon, 48. Carly Smith, 19. Jaswinda Singh, 68. 
John Weisert, 74 years old, and several more were injured but did end up surviving the attack. Police, of course, find 19-year-old Brandon dead by suicide in his car with actually two AR-15-style rifles next to him, and they quickly investigate his home to look for any motive or any information they can find to explain the shooting. Looking into his background, Brandon did exhibit early signs of a mass shooter. The most obvious signs were his violent fantasies, anger issues, homicidal thoughts, narcissistic traits, and past obsession with mass murders. Additional symptoms were that he went through his life feeling like he was treated unfairly by people all the time when he had absolutely no reason to actually think that. He was a loner and he had feelings of societal rejection. Brandon constantly displayed a victim mentality and many mass shooters experienced severe depression, as did Brandon. Obviously, severe depression does not lead to mass shootings, but that is one of the symptoms that mass shooters commonly experience before the act. Police are searching Brandon's room, electronics, and internet history to find any motive that he may have had before the horrific massacre. Old Facebook accounts were found, but the only information that it gave police is that Brandon was a brony, and for anyone who doesn't know what brony is, it's a combination of the word bro and my little pony. So a bro who's obsessed with my little pony. Who doesn't know what a brony is? Come on. I don't know. There may be some people. You never know. <laughs> if my dad ever listened to this podcast, I guarantee he does not know what a brony is. I think is. Tommy would know what a, oh, what a brony was. <laughs> on that topic, what they did find on his Facebook is a status that he posted just one hour before the shooting. It said, quote, I hope I can be with Applejack in the afterlife. My life has no meaning without her. No way. If there's no afterlife and no she isn't... No way! If there's no afterlife and she isn't real, then my life never mattered anyway. Well, there you End go. Quote. Sorry, bud. Spoiler alert, Brandon. Applejack <laughs> is not in your afterlife. Oh, man. This case, of course, gained national attention, and President Biden released public statements addressing his condolences. The community also believes there was a racial motivation behind the shootings due to his white supremacist internet history, which is important here because about 80% of the employees at that FedEx facility were members of the Sikh community, as were four of the eight people that he murdered. Wow. The FBI concluded that Brandon's massacre was, quote, an act of suicidal murder intended to demonstrate his masculinity and capability while fulfilling a final desire to experience killing people, end quote. There you go. That sums it up. It's a shame that Brandon took his own life after wreaking so much havoc in the world so that he couldn't go through the justice system, but I hope that his afterlife is full of torture and completely devoid of Applejack the Pony. An important lesson in this story is how drastically one person's trauma cascaded into the lives of dozens to hundreds of people now traumatized by their loved one's murders. So often trauma starts in the home. So often trauma starts in childhood. It's planted as a seed that grows and grows and impacts that person's life and is almost guaranteed to impact the lives of others as well. So I ask each listener to be hyper aware of how we're treating our family at home. Let's reduce the number and intensity of fights that happen in front of our children. Let's speak positive affirmations, compliment, protect, and encourage children. Let's be conscious not to create or pass on trauma that very likely will ripple into the lives of not only the person directly affected, but the lives of many others. 
choose to go home and love your family and your friends extra hard today. And if you are experiencing suicidal thoughts or you know a loved one that is, please reach out for help. You are very loved and we want you here on this earth. You bless the earth in ways that you don't even realize. Thank you for listening. We hope that you join us next week on Ghastly, where it is always spooky season. See ya! Later.